Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about vitamin C. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, brother. So we're going to be talking about the next vitamin in the series, which is vitamin C, but before we do that, we have a big announcement that we should make for people, and that is that the posture videos that we brought up and the posture episode are now completed, and they're available on YouTube. There's six videos. The first one's an introduction. The second one is a neck correction exercise. Next one has to do with forward hip tilt and correcting that. Then we have one for correcting rounded shoulders and going over the posture medic. Fifth one is about the stork, which is a way to test if somebody has balance problems and how to correct that. And then the last one is stretching tight back muscles. So we're going to have links to those and the whole series in this podcast and podcast notes. But I wanted to announce that and make sure that everybody who had heard about that before knows that we did get those completed. They are available and you should go over and check them out. Yeah, and I'd like to add that if you go to our main office website, nedcairo.com, N-E-D-D-Cairo.com, and go up to the upper right part of the page and find the link to YouTube, then you just click on that. It'll take you right to them also. Awesome. Okay, so there's the announcement. So make sure you go over and check those out, and we want to hear back from you too. So now let's get into tonight's topic, which is the next vitamin on the list, which is vitamin C, which is probably one of the best known vitamins around. And we brought this up last week and we talked about vitamin B and how that came about and what caused its discovery and the deficiencies. And one of the things that was mentioned is that sailors on ships for long periods of time would get vitamin deficiencies. And one of the vitamin deficiencies that they would experience is scurvy, which has to do with vitamin C. So let's start off by describing what scurvy is. Well, I'm just going to go through a little history on vitamin C before I get to that. I'll get to scurvy in a minute. Okay. So vitamin C was actually discovered in 1932, which resulted in two Nobel Prizes for medicine in 1937 by the two researchers who, between them, discovered it, named it, and produced it synthetically. Yeah, it was the cure for scurvy, which is a condition that actually resulted from the processing of foods, especially sugar, to be used as a sweetener instead of traditional sweet whole foods, including fruits, vegetables, and nuts. 
So I'll describe what scurvy is in detail in a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to refer back to our podcast on sugar, episode number eight, for a little history lesson on scurvy. Back in the 1750s, a surgeon's mate in the British Navy by the name of James Lind observed multiple cases of scurvy on his own ship. And at that time, scurvy was a deadly disease of epidemic proportions since many thousands of British soldiers had died from it. Mm -hmm. So Lind attempted to help his crew with various remedies to combat scurvy, and the ones that he gave two oranges and a lemon to each day recovered within one week. So he then reported his exciting findings to British Admiralty, but they obviously weren't as excited as he was because they were unwilling to accept the fact that scurvy could have been due to an inadequacy in standard Royal Navy rations. Right. I remember you talking about that in the other podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, their viewpoint at the time was that the British Empire had the best fed sailors in all of human history and its Navy was superior to all others. So there's no way it could have been due to their rations. Of course not. Right. So unfortunately, they delayed changing the rations and adding citrus fruits for about 50 years, which cost, now get this, an estimated 100,000 lives Wow! due to their stubbornness. The British actually called lemons limes at the time, and the sailors were nicknamed limeys Uh when they were were given this. Yeah. This misnaming confusion between lemons and limes created a horrible problem years later with Sir George Nair's polar expedition in 1875. Instead of lemons, limes were packed for the voyage, and the expedition was ruined because scurvy actually broke out there. Hmm. So yes, limes are definitely not a good source of natural vitamin C as lemons are. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You would think all the citrus fruits had the same amount in it, but obviously they don't. That's right. Now, what functions of the body do you need vitamin C for? Well, vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, also known as ascorbic acid, and it's needed for many body functions, including the growth, development, and repair of all body tissues. Specifically, it's used to form a very important protein called collagen, which is used to make skin, tendons, ligaments, and blood vessels. Vitamin C is also used to heal wounds and form scar tissue. Mm -hmm. It's needed to repair and maintain cartilage, bones, and teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, needed for the absorption of iron. Okay. It's also one of the best antioxidants, which protect the body from harmful free radicals that can accelerate the aging process and can potentially lead to cancer, heart disease, and other conditions like arthritis. Right. And probably its most well-known benefit is its immune-boosting effects, especially for fighting the common cold. You know, research has shown that during times of infection, concentrations of vitamin C are rapidly depleted in the blood and in white blood cells. Mm. Yeah, so supplementing with vitamin C can reduce the length of colds as well as the severity of cold symptoms by protecting immune cells and strengthening their ability to fight infections. Okay. It can also help to prevent the onset of infections by boosting one's resistance to infections. And, you know, there's studies in military personnel and other people living in close quarters that have shown that uh, pneumonia occurred remarkably 80 to 100% less often in people taking vitamin C than in those who didn't supplement with it. Hmm. And in addition, children in developing countries who are highly susceptible to life-threatening infections took 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C daily along with zinc. And they greatly reduced their likelihood of developing potentially deadly pneumonia, malaria, and other infection-related diarrhea. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Now, isn't it also helpful in detoxifying the body? 
Yes, it, it can help with that too, along with, you know, various other nutrients, uh, you know, like we uh, touched on that with the B vitamins, including uh, niacin. All right. So how does a vitamin C deficiency manifest itself if somebody's not getting enough in their diet? Uh, I mean, other than scurvy, are there other things that would show up that would let somebody know they have a deficiency? Well, sure. And, you know, I want to just start with scurvy first so that we clear that one up and so everybody really knows what, what goes on with that. And then we can look at just what happens if you just have a vitamin C deficiency. Okay. So, we, you know, we learned earlier that scurvy has been around a very long time. Uh, in fact, it actually goes back to at least the time of Hippocrates, who wrote about the symptoms of scurvy way back in 400 BC. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, today, it's very rare with less than 20,000 cases in the United States per year. Okay. So first of all, symptoms of this condition typically don't occur until at least one to three months after a vitamin C deficiency occurs and continues on. Typical symptoms at the early stages of vitamin C deficiency include feeling weak and run down, shortness of breath, and bone pain. Mm -hmm. And then when vitamin C deficiency lingers on for a while, then it can lead to severe and easy bruising causing bleeding into the skin swollen, spongy, and purplish gums also susceptible to bleeding, mm -hmm. loose teeth, bulging eyes, dry and brownish skin, very dry hair that curls and breaks off close to the skin, and jaundice, which is, as you know, yellowing of the skin in the eyes. Right. And if this is left untreated for long periods of time, scurvy can actually result in death. Yikes. Yeah. Sounds pretty bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the first thing that's important is getting enough vitamin C in your diet, because no matter what vitamin it is, it's always going to be best to get it from food, even though that won't necessarily be adequate for what people need at this point in time. But getting vitamin C from your food should be the first thing that people work toward. So what are some of the best foods to eat to get an adequate amount of vitamin C in your diet? Well, you know, I want to really stress that this is really important to know, you know, the various foods that are rich in vitamin C, especially if you don't supplement with it, because the fact is that not only can the body not make vitamin C on its own, but it also doesn't store vitamin C. Hmm. So this is really important to know these various foods. And I'm going to give the top 10 list of the foods in highest order of vitamin C per serving. All right. You're going to start with the one that has the most. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think it is? Well, typically I would say orange because that's the one everybody thinks of, but I don't think that's it. Nope. That's number seven on the list. It's probably some green leafy vegetable or something along that line. Actually, no, there are no green leafy vegetables. There are green vegetables. Broccoli is number three and Brussels sprouts are number four. Oh, okay. Top of the list is papayas. Wow. Yeah. Number two is bell peppers. Okay. And then number five, strawberries. Number six, pineapple. Again, number seven was oranges. Mm -hmm. And then eight is kiwi fruit. Nine is cantaloupe. And 10 is cauliflower. Wow. So the, the three of the great cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and cauliflower, are in the top 10 for vitamin C. Wow, interesting. Other very good sources of vitamin C include the other citrus fruits like grapefruit and lemons. Notice I didn't say limes. Mm-hmm. Mangoes, guava, raspberries, blueberries, cranberries, and most green leafy vegetables. Okay. So people need to get an adequate amount through their diet. When will higher dosages of vitamin C be beneficial to somebody? 
Well, let's look first at the recommended dietary allowance or RDA for daily vitamin C intake. Okay. Now, this was calculated based on the minimum amount needed to maintain white blood cell vitamin C concentrations with minimal loss in the urine along with sufficient antioxidant protection. Okay. The RDA for adult females is 75 milligrams per day, and for adult males, it's just 90 milligrams per day. That seems so small. Mm -hmm. The RDA for adult female smokers is a little more at 110 milligrams a day, and adult males is... 125 milligrams per day. Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to smokers, people who may need to take extra vitamin C include pregnant and breastfeeding women for obvious reasons, people recovering from surgery for tissue healing, mm -hmm. and burn victims for tissue regeneration. Now, the medical doctor, Andrew Weil, who has a large following and leans more alternative than conventional medicine, recommends that people take on average 250 milligrams of vitamin C daily and to increase that by an extra 1,000 milligrams if you have a cold or flu, mm -hmm. or if you work in a smog-filled city, mm -hmm. or live with a smoker. Mm -hmm. Now, Linus Pauling, who won a Nobel Prize for his research on vitamin C, and he famously took 18,000 milligrams of vitamin C per day. Wow. He actually lived into his 90s. Well, that's definitely overkill, especially since one recent study showed that 200 milligrams a day is the maximum amount of vitamin C that human cells can absorb, making higher dosing on a daily basis pointless. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Who did the study? I don't have the reference for that, but I saw it, and I thought it was interesting because the Linus Pauling Institute itself published a study in June of 1999 in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition showing that 120 to 200 milligrams of vitamin C daily is the optimal amount for reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, cataracts, and other chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. So the Linus Pauling Institute's daily recommendation for vitamin C for adults is 400 milligrams. And the reason for this is that even though most healthy young adults can get enough vitamin C from just 200 milligrams daily, some individuals may have a lower vitamin C absorption capacity than what is currently documented. Okay. And in addition, they emphasize the fact that older adults should absolutely get at least 400 milligrams of vitamin C daily, especially those who are at higher risk for chronic diseases, including heart disease, stroke, certain cancers, and cataracts. Okay. Now let's look at specific instances in which higher doses of vitamin C is recommended. Mm-hmm. So I went over earlier how susceptible children in developing countries needed 1,000 milligrams per day of vitamin C to prevent certain potentially deadly infections. Right. So I wanted to add to that. There was another study that showed that students with upper respiratory infections, given hourly doses of 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C for six hours and then three times daily thereafter, had an incredible 85% decrease in cold and flu symptoms compared to those who simply took pain relievers and decongestants for their symptoms. Right. And there's also a number of studies that show that high vitamin C intake can combat the chronic stomach bacteria called H. pylori, mm -hmm. which can cause gastritis, stomach ulcers, and even deadly stomach cancer. Right. So one study showed that infection with H. pylori was a major risk factor for stomach cancer in patients with low vitamin C intake, but not in those with high vitamin C intake. Interesting. Yeah. And another study showed that high intake of both vitamin C and E was associated with an astounding 
90% reduction in the risk of developing stomach cancer. Wow. Yeah. So anybody, you know, comes from a family where they have a history of stomach cancer, high risk, man, they should definitely be taking high doses of C and E. Yep. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with some of those recommendations. They just seem too low. I mean, I've always taken probably a thousand milligrams a day. Now I'm doing about 3000 milligrams a day because like you said, I'm in an area where there's a lot of smog and things like that that go on. Mm-hmm. So perfectly fine. Yeah. And, and I know that when you have a cold, you can take much higher dosages and that if you get to a level where it's a little bit too high that you will know because there's certain reactions that you'll have with the body, which leads me into my next question, which is, can you overdose on vitamin C? Yeah, well, I'd like to start this out by going over the UL or the tolerable upper intake level for vitamin C. Okay. And this number was recommended in order to prevent generally healthy adults from experiencing diarrhea and gastrointestinal disturbances Mm -hmm. when taking vitamin C. So the UL for vitamin C for adults is 2,000 milligrams per day. Okay. There are a number of possible adverse health effects associated with high, you know, very high doses of vitamin C that have been identified, but none of them have been confirmed in follow-up studies. Oh. Yeah. And there's no reliable scientific evidence that doses of vitamin C up to 10 grams or 10,000 milligrams per day are toxic or detrimental to one's health. Mm. See? Okay. That's good news. I mean, you know, it just shows you you can take mega doses and not really worry about too much. And you'll know you've took you've taken too much because you'll start having a little bit of, you know, diarrhea or gastrointestinal problems. Exactly. So yeah, you know, the most common issue again with too much vitamin C is diarrhea or gastrointestinal disturbances, but these symptoms they're usually not serious, especially since they normally resolve with temporary discontinuation of vitamin C supplements. Okay. The other condition potentially tied to high vitamin C intake is kidney stones. Mm -hmm. Some studies show a correlation with increased vitamin C intake and higher risk for kidney stones, whereas others don't. Okay. There's a lot of conflicting information. So the Linus Pauling Institute recommends that despite these conflicting results, it would be wise for people predisposed to kidney stones to avoid high-dose vitamin C supplementation. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So now earlier on, you mentioned that vitamin C was ascorbic acid, but is that the only thing in vitamin C or is there some other part of vitamin C that people should know about? It's an awesome question. If you talk to most nutrition experts, they say vitamin C is synonymous with ascorbic acid, but it actually does have other parts to it when it's found in its natural food state. Mm hmm. You see, vitamin C is the antioxidant or preservative part of the vitamin C complex. And to say that ascorbic acid by itself is vitamin C is equivalent to looking at a wheel and saying it's an entire car. Mm -hmm. It's a very important part of a car, but just a small part of a car. Right. So I actually learned this in chiropractic college when I went to a nutrition meeting with the local representative for standard process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this caused me to look at nutrition and supplements in a new light. Instead of just focusing on taking large doses of an active ingredient, in this case, ascorbic acid, maybe it's better to take the whole complex of nutrients the way they're found in nature to get the maximum effect. Good point. Yeah. So the rest of the vitamin C complex includes other very important nutrients, and I thought it would be a good idea to go over these and their roles in the body. Sure. All right. Let's start with the bioflavonoids, also known as vitamin P. 
Mm-hmm. And these include rutin, hesperidin, and quercetin. Okay. Now, studies have shown that they can prevent and reverse wrinkles, reduce the appearance of age spots, and fight spider veins and varicose veins. Okay. And my favorite is rutin, which I've recommended for many years in the form of the supplement called Cyruta Plus from Standard Process. Right. Now, this comes from organic buckwheat, and I've used it successfully to help people who bruise easily since it helps to strengthen weak blood vessels, especially the capillaries. Right. And it's also been found to fight spider veins and varicose veins, so it works well with another supplement from Standard Process called Colonsonia Root that's used specifically for those things. Mm-hmm. And then the bioflavonoid quercetin is also outstanding as a natural allergy fighter because of its antihistamine properties. Uh-huh. Yeah. The vitamin C complex also includes ascorbigen, which is a naturally occurring chemical found in broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, and other cruciferous vegetables. Okay. It has antioxidant properties and has been used to treat fibromyalgia and prevent breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. There's also tyrosinase, which is a, an organic copper-containing enzyme present in plant and animal tissues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's involved in the production of melanin and other skin pigments from the reaction of the amino acid called tyrosine when it's exposed to oxygen or air, and this reaction is also known as oxidation. Okay. Yeah. So a real good example of this specific type of reaction is the blackening of a peeled or sliced potato that's exposed to air Mm -hmm. or like an avocado. Once you cut into it and you let it expose to the air for a little while. Yeah. Or an apple that turns brown. Right. Tyrosinase also happens to be an adrenal activator too. Mm. Yeah. And finally, the vitamin C complex contains what are called P factors, K factors, and J factors. Now, what are those? Well, P-factors are, again, bioflavonoids, largely rutin, Mm -hmm. which maintain the integrity of blood vessels by keeping them strong. Mm -hmm. And the P comes from pink toothbrush due to bleeding gums when it's deficient. That's how it came up with that name. Now, K-factors come from vitamin K, which is needed for blood clotting. And that's something we went over in detail in our podcast covering bleeding and clotting, podcast number 43. Right. And finally, there's J factors, which are needed along with iron for the oxygen carrying capacity of blood. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's so many things that are naturally occurring. And, you know, it's just, it's a shame if you're just taking ascorbic acid, you're robbing the body of all these other things that should be there. Definitely. So now what is, what have you found to be the best form of vitamin C? Just like pills or powders or liquids or... What have you found that seems to have the best mix? Well, obviously, food is king Mm -hmm. because it has everything there. But if you're going to try to take it in a supplement form, uh, taking it with the bioflavonoids, I find, is the best way to go. Okay, so it doesn't matter what form it is as long as it's vitamin C with bioflavonoids. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you can get it in a liquid or powder, it's easier to absorb than a pill. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can find all these in a liquid, that would be ideal. Powder would be probably second best and pill would be third best. Okay. Um, There are ways you can inject it into the body. Uh, Myers cocktail actually contains vitamin C, but I think it's just ascorbic acid. But, you know, injecting it directly into the blood is probably the best way to get it in as opposed to absorbing it through the digestive tract. Right, because the medical doctors will do a vitamin C IV drip for people when they're very ill, and it'll help 
get people over pneumonia and other conditions a lot faster than they could possibly get over it just taking it orally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say about vitamin C before we end? No, I think that covers it all. All right, good. So next week, we're going to continue on and we're going to work our way through the alphabet into vitamin D. And there's going to be a lot of good information. You've already brought it up on several podcast episodes. And it's an important one for people to know about using when they get a cold or the flu. And it's at levels that people wouldn't expect to use it at. So we're going to get into more depth because it has a lot more to do with people's health than used to be thought. And all of this is starting to come out more and more in just the past few years. So next week, we're going to dive into D. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks, Steve. You got it. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Bye.